0: going to talk about today. I'd like for us to think about the battle for healthy relationships. The battle for healthy relationships. Turn to Hebrews 13. And as you turn in there, consider consider the fact that We normally go through books of the Bible, kind of like verse by verse. You know what I'm saying? So we just finished the series in John, and um, and then we did a series in Ecclesiastes, literally going from verse one of the beginning of the book to the end of the book. Oh, bless you, my brother. It's such a blessing, instant in season. Um, and 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 yet during the summer months, you know what I'm saying? When people are away, obviously, like we can see that so many people are away. What we do is we just we just work through. Um, the, the six seven weeks of of, of 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 summer doing topical messages having different brothers to share in, as as I mentioned earlier we've got Mikey P coming up and also brother Andrew Carnegie in the next couple of weeks and um and so this is a bit unusual for us taking kind of like topics but at the same time it's not so if you're visiting just to kind of give you a heads up um but this topic and and it's funny because even as I was coming in, I thought, thank you, Lord, because I think this really is something for us that is current, and it's also something that is definitely on my heart at the minute, and I'll, I'll explain it in a moment why. <clears throat> um, so let's pray, and then we can jump in. Father, thank you for your amazing grace and for the way that it seeps into every crack and crevice of our lives. Even those areas, Lord, of our lives where Often, Lord, sometimes even unknowingly, we kind of cover up um, and, and, and we don't really give you access to. Thank you that you take the liberty to lovingly work in every area of our lives. And um, Father, um, today, not least of all in terms of relationships, such a massive, such a massive topic. And um, I just pray that you would help us, Lord, just over the next 45 minutes or so, by your grace. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen. Amen. So, hope hopefully you're in Hebrews. Um, the battle, notice, for healthy relationships. Now, how many of you know? Like recently, there's just been a spate of broken relationships. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Like beef for broken, beef for Brexit. I'm like, you know, we've come out of Europe, quote unquote. Going to take a couple years, right? But the big vote, and there's been a break. In kind, in, you know, what I'm saying, in terms of our relationship with Europe, in terms of us moving more in the direction of a sovereign, you know, what I mean, um, society. And and during that time, you had some like some people who were the best of friends, not necessarily become enemies, but their relationship get challenged. I'm talking about Boris Johnson and Michael Gove, literally on the back of them two campaigning together. You know what I'm saying? You saw their relationship break down, right? Um, And that's the Conservative Party. The Labour Party got their issues. We see them going on at the moment, right? With the two kind of leading guys and kind of, if you like, wrestling, jockeying for this number one position. And then that's here. But in America, you know that they got their dramas, particularly with reference to politics (laughs) right now. You know what I'm saying? I was in the States for a little while and I'll talk about that in a minute. And the whole nation is divided, you know what I'm saying, and um seems like my man's put his foot in it, Mr. Trump has really put his foot in it this week. Maybe this is going to um lead to the other party well i don't know, but all I know is drama in the states and 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 then on and 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 in contiguity with that, like running in parallel with that, we've got the whole issue in. Um, with reference to the su- the Southern states and the Black community, if you like, you know what I'm saying, in in terms of their their, their relationship with the, with the U.S. police department, whichever state is they're in, right? It's like <laughs> I wasn't thinking straight when I left America a um, couple like last week. I've, I've always wanted to get one of these T-shirts, and literally, we're going to to the to the gate to board, and I, you know they got these gift shops, and I see the T-shirt, and I'm like. Man, I've got to grab one of them. And you know you're thinking straight because you're thinking, oh, I've got to board the plane. Are they going to call my section first? You want to go to the toilet? You think, snap, I need to get a drink and some snacks. All of this stuff's going through my mind, right? And I see the T-shirt and I'm like, I've got to get one of them before I get on the plane because they've got toilets on the plane in it. So I went straight to the shop, bought this T-shirt, and I come out the shop. And as I come out the shop, I thought to myself, am I ever going to be able to wear this T-shirt? It's got New York Police Department on the T-shirt. You know them T-shirt, them classics. I'm think, am I ever going to be able to wear that? I know I can't wear that in the state, at least right now. But disagreement, relational disharmony, you know what I'm saying, and conflict. It's it's all around, isn't it? Um. Okay. What what what? That's on a national and somewhat international level. How about on a personal level? I went away. <clears throat> this trip, for those of you that don't know, particularly was for me to spend some time with my mum and to allow her at 82 to, to visit some family members that, who knows, we may never get a chance to visit again. She's still strong, she's still healthy, you know what I mean? She's, she's, she's got all her faculties, her memory's better than mine. I'm like, but who knows when that could come to an end, you know what I mean? So. For about about three years ago, I was kind of toying with the idea. And it was really, I can't I take can't no credit, it was Helen. My wife said to me, Robert, while you can, you know what I'm saying, enjoy some time, some special time with your mum. And a couple of things happened and it was like, okay. Made a decision um, to, <clears throat> to go around the world in 80 days. We went to New York because i got a half-brother. For those of you that don't know, I've got a half-brother called Oral. He's 10 years my senior and he lives in New York. So my mum hasn't seen him for about... 15 years. So went to New York for a few days, hung out with my brother. Um, Then we went to Florida, um, because it's kind of going south, right? And a place called West Palm Beach where my my uncle lives. And um, went to visit him, spent a few days with him. And all his kids are all grown up now. He's got four girls. They're all adults now. And ain't seen each other for a time. You know what I mean? Now, Notice, my mum is linking up with her son, my big brother, right? She's linking up with her brother, my uncle, you know what I mean? And, and then we went on to, to Jamaica for, for, for a little while, again, to kind of visit some family and do some other things. <clears throat> but um, the reason I mention that is because a part of the, the purpose of us going was because there was just a few little family things that we needed to deal with, you know what I mean? And they were really quite difficult issues that we had to kind of tackle, Um, My brother pretty much grew up in Jamaica slash the States and never really got to spend much time with my mum. How many of you know that can be quite difficult, you know what I'm saying, for a young man who's now 60 yet still struggling with those issues of quote-unquote abandonment, you know what I mean? And so there was some heavy stuff to deal with, but God was really gracious. And my, my brother, his daughter, became a Christian a year ago. And she came to meet us, she lives in Jamaica, she came to link up with us and she was like she was like um like germaline cream, you know what I mean? Like, ointment, you know what I'm saying, that was healing, like antiseptic to the whole situation, you know what I mean? And and and, and what w- w- what am I saying? <clears throat> a part of what we had to deal with is something that we all have to always deal with on a consistent basis in terms of our relationships. And how many of you know, right, sometimes relationships can be like plate spinning. Like, I thought of this as, a, as, a, as an illustration, and I thought, I know some of you will get that, just because I said it and you know what I'm talking about, but I thought some of you probably don't know what I mean when I say plate spinning. Back in the day, you know you've got, like, Britain's Got Talent in them kind of shows. You don't see this now, because it's too bait right now. But back in the day, people used to spin plates, they had these long poles, and they'd have like seven or eight lo- long poles, and they'd put a plate on a pole, spin the pole, and the plate, and spin the plate, and the pole is flexible, so they'd go like this, and the pl- plate would keep spinning, and then they'd go over and do it, and they'd, and they'd do it like seven, and but b- by the time they get to number eight, and that one's spinning, number one is going like this, it's not spinning properly, so de- 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 and they're trying to keep all these plates spinning, and, and sometimes, I don't know if you concur, but it feels like sometimes... Keeping my relationships level, keeping them healthy is a challenge. It's a challenge. And sometimes, like plates, our relationships they end up falling to the ground and breaking. Sometimes into a thousand pieces. Do you experience challenges in your relationships? And I really want you to really think about this. This is not me taking it for granted that I don't think you don't think when we ask you questions, particularly from the pulpit. But I thought I would try and drive it home so that you don't just think about my examples and what I've been going through, but you'd actually begin to think about yourself on a. Remember, we can watch telly, Mr. Trump, and I'm saying Mr. Corbyn, blah, blah, but think about yourself and your relationships. You know what I'm saying? Your relationships, if you're a parent with your children. You know, we've, like, we had, oh my gosh, back-to-back weddings for about six or seven years, kind of leveling off now. But look, babies, <laughs> babies everywhere. You know what I mean? And um, it's the, it, it, there's going to come a time when those little babies that you're holding in your arms, you know what I'm saying? That you've got, that they're going to grow surprisingly enough, and they're going to become adults. And if you begin to think about your relationships, your relationship with your children, in view of them becoming adults, it's really going to help you. You know what I mean? Because as you spin around and blink, you know what I'm saying? You've got these relationships that possibly may not be what you really would desire them to be and you've got opportunity now to... What is your relationship like with your children? I spoke to a man this, this week, 56 years old, and he's got a 26-year-old son, his youngest son giving him nothing but drama. The man asked his son, left the, left the house, I said, please, look, when you finish playing Xbox, 26 and when you finish playing Xbox, and then things there, please, just hoover out the front room. He came back. Son gone to bed, place was upside down, not, and unhoovered check it he thought all right let me just show him some grace a week later he couldn't take it no more and he said to him son you got to, you can't do this and the son turned around and and what did he say what did he say to you? he said it was so sarcastic it's like um it was something like how dare you how dare you how dare you put that on me Something like that. I can't remember. The, the statement was classic, and it was, can't be that classic. I forgot it. But he said something just really sarcastic, and you know that. I mean, I was gonna say teenagers are sarcastic, but sometimes your kids can. You can only identify with this if you're kind of like my age, and your kids are grown. You know what I mean? Because you look at your bundle of joy in your arms, you know, Sam, and you will be like, "Never in a million years!" Like I can't identify. It's all right. <laughs> It's all right. You heard me say this before, right? Hog, pig set a hog, hold your moat so long. Now, pig is the piglet, hog is the mother hog, right? Piglet set the piglet's little, Mummy, hold your moat so long, and hog set a pig. you grow, you ignore, <laughs> right? So, how about your your how about how about your relationship with your parents? So you're a child in here, and I might, you might be really little, you know what I'm saying? How are things with you and your parents? You know what I'm saying? How are things... Ha, 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 what is your relationship like with your... I, I know this is pr- quite a heavy and intellectual, uh, quite a deep question to ask. One, this time of you know, the weekend, but also for someone who may be three or four. I, I, but this is, this, is, this is something that, you you know what I'm saying, you need to think <laughs> You need to think about <laughs> But obviously, to those of you that are older, what's your relationship like with your parents? And I mean, especially as you hit puberty, hit them teenage years, you know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes when we're older, we look back and we're like, oh, I was a nightmare. You know what I'm saying? Not everybody was, but some of us were. Um, But some of us actually know that we're a nightmare before we get to 25. You know what I'm saying? And we're just being belligerent and difficult. We We know what we're doing, right? What's your relationship like with your parents? And the thing is, I went away with my mum, right? She's 82. I'm 49. I'm like, you'd have thought that we both have learned enough to be able to get on really well. Oh my gosh. I'm embarrassed to say, like, we had our moments, even to the point where, you know, when my wife's around, she's like, Robert, you shouldn't argue with your mum like that. She's 82. What do you think? You think you're going to change her? Do you think you're going to. And I'm like, but, 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 but. And there were those moments when I got like that and then I literally walked away and looked at myself and I thought, Lord Jesus, I'm like, what is wrong with me? Why would I feel the need to argue with my mom like that? I don't know if you guys can identify with that. You know what I mean? But living, especially living in close quarters, you know what I'm saying? She does things that I don't like and my mom puts garlic in her suitcase. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, Mom, why? You know what I mean? And she talk, start talking about old people's sayings. And I'm like, and something as so simple and stupid as that would get into some ridiculous argument. You know what I mean? And I feel ashamed of myself to even say that. You know what I mean? How, how about your siblings? How about your relationship with your brothers and your sisters? Like, I'm, like, I, like I said, this is stuff I've been dealing with, in it, recently? Like, I've got an older brother, I've got a younger brother. You know what I'm saying? Um... And we know when it comes to siblings there's rivalry it just like when you're little you you just rock it out if you're if you're boys, you just fight and roll on the ground and but when you get older, you get a bit more sophisticated right and girls as i mean ladies you' you know you're you're just as bad Girl, <laughs> That's a man who's got three women in his life, you know. So, <laughs> you know what I mean. So, um, so it's, it's it's so sibling rivalry. You got the whole thing about the older versus younger that that dynamic. You know what I mean? And um, older want to tell the younger one what to do, and the little one's like, you know what? You can't tell me what to do. You're not my dad. You got sometimes you've got this weird and wonderful relationship with siblings. Um. I think I can't. I don't know if it was Mark who, who recommended it, but <laughs> not that this is the greatest recommendation. And this is no slur on Mark. I, I recommend it as well, and it's based on the fact that we both like Tom Hardy, isn't it? So if, I don't know if any of you lot seen the craze, but I hadn't watched it. You know what I mean? And um, but I'm on the plane, isn't it? And you and it's like it's on next levels now. I don't know if you guys travelled recently. You got, they got some next thing, especially on international national flights within the, the, the United States. They don't even have the TVs anymore. You've got Wi-Fi on the plane, fam. And you just take out your device, and then you go, go onto a particular website, and you can just watch the films from your device. Phone, iPod, uh, um, iPad, whatever. You'd be like, Rob, we knew that like years ago. Um, uh, if you did, I'm sorry. I'd, this, it was new to me. And so I'm watching this film, and you've got these brothers, right? They're siblings. One is older, one is younger. And Reggie, if I remember rightly, maybe I got it a little bit twisted, I can't remember, but I think Reggie's the older one, Ron is the younger one, and Reggie is a nightmare. He's a nightmare. He don't think, he acts, than he thinks, you know what I'm saying? He just. And the younger one's a bit smarter, he's a bit shrewder. But I mean, there ain't no good and bad. They're both criminals, innit? So the older one, he gets this he, he gets this guy to bump off somebody or something crazy like that. And so the younger brother's like. And they were making money now, and they were doing well. Criminal activities, and not, in, not in, in, encouraging it. Uh, but they were doing well. And, and, and so this incident that the big brother caused made the little one go nuts. And so he's, the, the younger brother, who's a smarter one, sees the guy who his brother got to do this dirt, to do the crime. And Ronnie, like, mash up the guy. I think he might have even killed him. I can't remember. And his brother... Reggie comes to him and says, "Ronnie, like, why'd you what, like? He hurt the brother. He's like, what? He's like, why did you do that? And he's like, why did I do that? He's like, the reason I did it to him is because I can't do it to you. And there's this crazy love-hate relationship. You know what I'm saying? Now, if if you're an only child, you don't know what on earth I'm talking about." Because you'd be like, what was he saying? How can you have a brother or a sister and have all this angst and drama between them? You don't understand what I'm talking <laughs> because you're only child. How about extended family? Not to long it out. Um, but then also, that's just family, right? And we haven't even talked about certain elements of the family just yet. Um, but then friends. How many of you know, if you're not careful, your greatest friendships can become your worst. And when you're in a relationship with someone, I'm I'm talking about friendships. I'm not talking about like sexual type of, I'm not talking about husband and wife kind of, I'm talking about friends, you know what I'm saying? You can have a friend that you feel like this person, me and this person, we're going to be friends for life. And something happens that causes your relationship to break down, you know what I'm saying? And not only are you no longer friends, you actually end up as enemies. But thankfully, there's, there's still hope even in a situation like that. I don't want to put you on a downer. There's still hope because... They say where there's life, there's hope, in it, And obviously where there's Christ, there's hope. Um, but sometimes you can have people who are the worst enemies... Who end up becoming the best of friends. These dynamics. You know, they say you can take two cats, tie them together by the tail... Throw them over a clothesline. You've got unity... Sorry, yeah, you, you, you've got union, but you don't necessarily have unity. Because you know them cats are going to be scratching at one another's eyes. How many of you know that sometimes it's a real battle to maintain healthy relationships? <laughs> now, nah, I should have mentioned that my intro was pretty much half of my message. But um, <laughs> you're like, you're relieved to hear that, right? Today's, <clears throat> today's message... I would argue, after, after kind of laying that, all of that out, is not the silver bullet. It's not the answer to all of these relationship-type issues because they're very complicated, right? But hopefully, our message is going to help us to foster, to facilitate, and to fertilize, you know what I'm saying, healthy relationships and recognize that in order to do this, you have a potential fight on your hands. Relationships. This text, I think, deals with relationships on seven levels. I don't know if this this is going to come up, if you're going to be able to read it. Oh, thank you, Lord. Seven levels. Christian brothers and sisters. Two, strangers and those outside the faith. Three, prisoners slash inmates and those mistreated. Spouses. That's the one I never really dealt with. Our relationship. Notice with God, part one. Relationship with leaders. Then relationship with God, part two. Particularly looking at the Lord Jesus. Now... Let's just read the text, if I can f- find it. My oh, gosh, <laughs> I never brought my Bible. <laughs> it's great, isn't it? Preacher with no Bible. Uh, you're such a blessing, my sister. You know what I've done? I've, I've, I'll just pull it up on my iPad because, what, what translation is this? Is it? Oh, that's so kind of you. Thank you. No, um, no, no. You know, I feel so bad to say I, I'm not going to use it only because I, I can pull it up on my iPad. Oh, I was the New King James. I'm not going to use the New King James either, though. <laughs> 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 to make it even worse, I, look, I made you stand up. Oh my gosh! All right, so, so I'm going to I'm going to read from the ESV, if that's all right. And, um, um, and there's me telling you to get there, making sure that I should have been there. Man, it's been a while since I preached, and it shows, right? Hebrews chapter 13. And we're going to start at verse (sighs) 1. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison, as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all, And let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from love of money. And be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Amen. Thank you so much, Ellie. So kind of you. I should have, you guys should have given a round of applause for, this, for lending me a Bible. Thank you, my sister. So I wonder if you heard my seven points now. The book of Hebrews is written to believers who were quite discouraged, to give you some context, and who were sliding back to their old life before Christ. And Hebrews 3 says, take care. This is the writer of Hebrews, right? Take care, brothers, and sisters, right? Lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Can you hear the temptation there to turn away? And yet, the writer encourages them to stand firm. Now, are we any different to the Christians of the first century? Now, if you've been a Christian for like three weeks, you'd be like, of course, there's loads of differences. You've been a Christian for... hmm, Five years, ten years—you know that really there ain't no difference between us. You know what I'm saying? There's nothing new under the sun, right? So I know that this is going to relate to you and me, just as much as it related to them in terms of the temptation to turn away. And again, really, sometimes, sometimes you become a Christian early and immediately. Early, you're tempted to be drawn away, especially if you were an alcoholic. If you used to take drugs or, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes there's a temptation immediately. There's a real battle. But sometimes there is no battle. You become a Christian and immediately you're, you're cruising at 35,000 feet. You know what I'm saying? You're like, oh, people struggling? People got struggling to read their Bible? What, struggling to pray? What's that all about? You know what I'm saying? When you first become a Christian. You know what I'm saying? But then a little bit later, if not earlier sometimes, there is this temptation to turn away. Now, I don't know. Is it just me that has experienced that? Or is it anyone else experienced? The temptation, you know what I'm saying, to be, t- t- to be drawn away, you know what I'm saying, from the living God. Now, but watch. He encourages them to stand firm. Verse 13 says, but look, exhort one another. How often? Like. We know, like, coming to church once a year, maybe Christmas and Easter, we know that that's not going to be, that's not enough. That's not going to help, Nob. That's not going to help anyone. But you might even feel like, well, man, I come to church at least once a month. You might even say, I'm here once a week. But how often does that say it seems like an individual needs to be in fellowship, as we're going to see in a minute? Every day, every 24 hours. You see, that's how, that's how, um, susceptible and vulnerable we are to be led astray and not even from external forces just from our own sinfulness to want to turn away from the living God. That's the rea- I mean, that's the reality. You know what I mean? And so the exhortation is it says it says encourage, exhort one another every day, because you need it. As long as it's called today that none of you may be hardened By the deceitfulness of sin. For we share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. This is an admonition to stand firm. And part of the reason these believers in in this book at this time were considering going back was partly because they didn't realize just how blessed they were. You know, we all know, right? Not everything that glistens is gold. But often we are actually seduced by these things. And we do get to a point where the things of God just seem a bit bland. You know what I mean? Especially when your appetite is tantalized. You know what I'm saying? Constantly by the amazing, incredible, quote-unquote, stuff that the world has to offer. You know what I'm saying? And often you get an appetite for that stuff. You ain't got no appetite for this stuff. That's why I heard Rob Dingman say sometimes it's, you know, why it's really healthy to fast whether it's from food or from media you know what I'm saying because when 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 you when you prevent yourself from enjoying that stuff then your senses can get recalibrated it's like being rebooted and then what you find is the stuff that i can't remember the proverb the proverb absolutely smashes it in a statement what i'm trying to explain like in 5 minutes you know what i'm saying the whole thing about um I think, does, does, does a proverb say something like, to, to, to the person who's full, um, somebody help me, man. Even what is. <laughs> it's time for me to come down. To the person who's full, everything that is sweet tastes bitter. You better, you better. I mean, like where, where we stayed, like so much food. When I first came and I saw the food, I was like, like, all-inclusive, and I'm like, like, and, and the temptation is to pile up the plate. And, but, like, third or the fourth day in, you're like, oh, my gosh. I'll open my eyes and you think, oh, it's breakfast. I can't eat no breakfast. And as you eat breakfast, you're like, oh, it's lunchtime. <laughs> to the person who's full, everything, you know, tastes, even, even that is sweet, tastes bitter. But to the person who's hungry, every striking thing tastes sweet. And sometimes when you don't, when you, when you, when you keep yourself from stuff, and I'm saying to the point where, you know what, you you see my point? And, um, that's, that's why it's good. That's why it's good to fast. And, and these, these believers, they were comparing their old life with their new life, but their new life had become very bland. And the old life seemed to be really appetizing and interesting and was drawing. You ever felt like that? Like, on a level, like. And that's why the writer, in the early chapters of this book, repetitively refers to Jesus as being what? Better. Like, if you know the book of Hebrews, right? He says, look, Jesus is better than the angels in chapter one. Jesus is better than Moses, in chapter 3. He's better, you know what I'm saying? He provides a better Sabbath rest in chapter 4. He, he provides a better priesthood. Like Aaron was great, but Jesus comes after the order of Melchizedek. And he gets to chapter 5, and he's saying all this, and he's like, Rah, you're not listening. You're not, you're not hearing me. You know what I'm saying? Because the things of the world now, they, they've tantalized your senses to the point where you cannot now discern between good and evil. You know what I'm saying? And... He says the time when you should be teaching others, you yourself now need to be taught again the basic principles of the doctrine of Christ. You know what I'm saying? And he's literally you hear you see the writer say like come to this conclusion. I'm chatting about Melchizedek and how amazing Melchizedek is, not listening, absolutely tuned out, and he's like, this is not cool. His senses have been affected, and. then... The writer is trying to say, you have to get to a point where you can see that this new covenant is so much better than the old covenant that you're accustomed to, that you're being drawn back to. Well, just a few chapters before ours, we find that the Hebrew, they call it the Hebrew Hall of Faith, not the Hebrew Hall of Fame, right? Where you have all of these individuals that are described, right? Those who faced challenging circumstances, um, but they overcame. How? By faith. So, by faith, Abraham. By faith, Joshua, by faith Noah built an ark. You read it, Hebrews 11, that's just back to back. But in terms of our text, listen to a description about another man of faith. His name begins with M. And it really relates very substantially to our verses. So Hebrews 11, verse 23 through 26 says, By faith, because this is how the list works, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful. So right here, you see, his, his parents got faith, right, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. But then Moses develops his faith. So by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called a son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God, like who wants that? You know what I'm saying? Over being a prince in Egypt, you know what I'm saying? Um, with the people of God, rather to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin, um, he considered the reproach of Christ. Greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward, right? He was thinking past lunch, which is what most of us don't do, right? He's brought up in a privileged position, and he had to make a choice. To renounce the silver spoon type upbringing, right, which had a really secure financial future, etc., to embrace a potentially miserable life, join in with his biological people who were slaves, he renounced what looked like shiny and exciting, pleasurable relationship with the world. And instead embraced the difficult, what, we could, what could be seen as boring, painful relationship with God. Can you already begin to see that there's a battle even in that to choose relationship with God over relationship with the world? The battle for healthy Relationships. Okay, so that's the scene, that's, if you like, that's setting the scene, and that's the backdrop, and that's the context. Now, I'm going to quickly try to drop in now the main point, right, which comes under my seven points. So, relationships. First of all, Christians in the household of faith. That's our, 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 our first point. Oh, I should have put that up, but I forgot. Christians, those in the, in the household of faith and their relationships. Verse 1 says what? Let brotherly love, thank you my sister, continue. The NIV says keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Right? The writer of Hebrews shouldn't have to say this. Let brotherly love continue. That's like Surely that's standard, right? Why would he have to say that? <laughs> You'd think that by virtue of being a brother or a sister, spiritually, like loving one another would stand to reason. Well, the truth is, just because we go to the same church doesn't mean that we're automatically going to get on, does it? Just being part of the same spiritual family, just because... It doesn't mean that we're going to have a drama-free zone. (coughs) It's the same in the biological family, isn't it? We just saw that. There are issues in the biological family. Why would we be surprised that there are issues in the spiritual family? And the writer's not surprised. That's why he says it, because he knows that it's an issue. And sometimes, things that can Things things can happen that can cause us to be divided and even lead us to being ashamed to be associated with each other. Now, remember, I did ask you to think, you know what I'm saying, and think personally about this, you know what I'm saying. But what does the gospel say about this? What does the gospel say about us getting to the point where I don't want to chat to you, I'll just give you a wide berth? I'll come to church, you know what I'm saying but I'm not really going to have anything to do with you. And if I do, I'll smile (laughs) and I'll say, hi. Look at the encouragement. Listen to what the gospel says. Look at the encouragement from from Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 2, I don't think I put the verses up. Or did I? Yeah, I did. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9 through 11. He says, but we see him, listen to the encouragement from Jesus. We see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus. So Jesus got a great relationship with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. He comes down to this despicable place, at least, you know what I'm saying, in one sense. In another sense, it's his world. He made it, you know what I'm saying. But he comes to this place. There's a great contrast, right? And it says, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor. Because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. So he leaves where he don't need to, comes to a place he doesn't need to, in order to die for people that he doesn't need to, but he chooses to. You know what I'm saying? For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, was the purpose, right? That he should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sacrifices and those who are sanctified, for he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one origin. That is why he's not ashamed to call them brothers. Now, here's the admonition. We, you know, what I'm saying, get upset with each other, fall out with one another, don't want to chat to one another if we're honest sometimes, you know what I'm saying? Over the slightest thing. Garlic in a suitcase. You know what I'm saying? But think about Jesus. If, he, if anyone's got any reason to fall out with anyone, he's got a multiplicity of reasons to fall out with us, yet we see the antithesis. We see the opposite of that. You know what I'm saying? In order to, to build healthy relationships, with, to the point where we become members of his family, he's not ashamed to call us brothers. Have you ever been... Disgusted with someone to the point of being ashamed, you know and I'm saying of that brother or sister. Now you won't say it like that, but that's really what it is. See, regardless, he says, let brotherly love continue, even in the face of your drama and the difficulty that you faced. And if we keep on loving one another, the battle for healthy relationships. Christians, man. Sometimes it's, it's hard to like them, let alone love them. You know what I mean? Let's be honest. And I say that because I know what I'm like, and I know what you have to put up with, with reference to being in relationship with me. See, the fact that we still exist as a church 13 years later is quite a miracle. If you think about it in those terms that you may say I'm exaggerating, but, but am I? I mean, a solid church is a church where the family of believers love each other, even despite the differences. The second point he makes is, apart from Christians loving one another, he talks about strangers and those outside the faith. Verse 2 says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Verse 1, he said to do something, right? He said, let brotherly love continue. Keep on loving one another. But now in verse 2, and that's because there's potential that something isn't being done. That's love, right? In verse 2, he says not to do something because there's the possibility that something is not happening, right? And it's showing hospitality to strangers, and it's not a surprise that outsiders would be neglected if insiders have been neglected. If you like, in a sense, that's really gonna follow, right? And shine hospitality to strangers. F.F. Bruce, this guy that you can see up on the, script, on the screen, he quoted from um, a set of writings called the Didak, and it's basically a set of extra biblical writings. It's not in the Bible, it's, se- it's separate to the Bible, but making comments on Christianity from like the, f- the first, second century. And he says, says, look, he says, let every apostle that comes to stay with you be treated like the Lord. But notice, but they must not stay more than one day. Two (laughs) of its absolute necessity. He says, if he stays for more than three days, he's a false prophet. (laughs) This is what they were saying at that time. This is the second century, right? and, And the reason he says this is because people are already presuming on the love that Christians have. Christians were so loving. I think it was, um, it might have been Constantine, my name's Saint, my middle name's Constantine, Constantine, isn't it? I think it was him that said, these Christians, we, we as much as we hate them, want to burn them alive and want to kill them, they, they, they don't just love each other, they love people that hate them. And it was one of the reasons why he was converted. You know what I'm saying? But people begin to take liberties with Christians because they were so loving. <laughs> and you had these you had these, 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 these charlatans you know, who were abusing these Christians. It went, went on to say in the dark, if an apostle leaves you, let him take nothing but a loaf of bread until he reached forever lodging. If they ask for money, they're a false prophet. Isn't it? Sound the alarm for real. You know what I mean? And you see, because Christians were being deceived by imposters. How? These early Christians... They loved to the point where it became common knowledge. And some unscrupulous individuals began to take advantage of them. You know what I'm saying? And some things don't change, do they? You know what I'm saying? The crooks, they don't come in through the front door so much nowadays. They're coming through the TV, right? Um, So the point is, as, as a Christian, don't be naive and allow, obviously, charlatans to deceive and even abuse you. But don't go so far in the other direction to the point where you don't let anyone... In your house <laughs> and there are loads of reasons right why possibly people don't do that don't let people in their house and why we would become exclusive keeping people at arm's length and um and there are lots of reasons why we don't mix with sometimes other christians and particularly non-christians they say what, when you become a christian within about five years you pretty much lose your sphere of influence of reference to your non-Christian friends. And that's even when you go to work. It's just that you go to work, but there's this invisible barrier between you and non-Christians, and I'm saying between us, I include myself in that. Um, I have a a friend, but I can't tell you the story. But the, the way the story ends is he went through a really difficult period and it was through this really challenging time that he came to the conclusion that he didn't like people. And he got really ill and he had treatment. And the treatment he had was, uh, was, was going to be by doctors and nurses who came from the contingent of people that he really hated. He didn't realize he hated them. But he's in hospital now and they're treating him. And here comes one of the nurses in a hijab. And I'm saying, and here comes one of the doctors. He's a specialist, but he's a Muslim. But the thing is, my friend in tears said to me, Robert, these people took such good care of me. He says, every morning this nurse would come in and hold my hand. My friend was dying of cancer. And he said to me, they they came in, the nurse came in every day and would hold my hand while she was giving me the, the, not the radiotherapy, the, the chemotherapy. He had six weeks of chemo every day for six weeks. And he said, this woman loved him and took care of him like she was related to him. She didn't know him, and she was a Muslim. And he said he learned a lesson. Is your personal space open or closed to outsiders? Is our church space open or closed to outsiders? Let genuine Christian hospitality continue. Remember Abraham? He did that when the visitors came, not realizing that he was entertaining God and angels, if you like. Um, thankfully, here as a church, if it whether it's, Barley Loaves, you know what I'm saying? TLG coming to start in September. Um, family Fellowship. The different ministries that take place here, that's us as a church. But how about on a personal level? We could be like, yeah, church is doing this, and yeah, church is doing But how about on a personal level? You know what I mean? Number three, and I know I've got to move now, right? Because I can see them guys getting ready to give me some signals at the back, like some signal in the plane business. Number three... How about prison in, prisoners, inmates, and those mistreated? Verse three says, "Remember those who are in prison, as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body." Now, why does he have to tell us to? Re- <laughs> Thank you. Why does he have to tell us to remember? Thank you, Marky. Because we're prone to forget. As much as it speaks particularly of Christians incarcerated because of their faith, in verse 23 of this very chapter, it speaks about Timothy I remembering him because he was going to be released from prison. And um, there's just some other points that I could make with reference to, to these particular believers and reasons why they should have compassion because they were persecuted themselves and some of them were even had, had, had been put in prison. So, this particularly speaks about loving, reaching out to, remembering Christians in prison, especially in places in far flung reaches of the, the, the world, you know what I'm saying, where Christians have been persecuted. But this also speaks about mission to non believers in prison. We've got a friend called Steve Rawlings. Myself and Pastor E, we used to do prison ministry years ago, you know what I'm saying? We went into one prison. I can't even remember which prison it was, you know. It was it Elmley or... We went to one prison anyway. And we're in the prison and I'm like, Ruh. I don't exp- I see this guy that not only that I knew, that I grew up with. I lived here in Six Gold House on the first floor. He lived in the next, the adjacent block on the top floor. Steve Rawlins, bigger man to me still. But I'm like, rah, there's Steve. But he was in chapel. And then after the service that we were involved in, I got to talk to him. He'd, he, he'd become a Christian in prison. And he was doing, back in them days, it was Alpha, I think he was doing some kind of Christian course. He's come out of prison since serving a very long sentence. And now he's got a, he's got a ministry going into prisons. Real inspiration. We met up, with, we, we, we saw him the other day at London City Mission. He's been working with London City Mission. You know what I'm saying? Now he, he's remembered those who are in prison I'm saying, and we know we've seen all this drama at Wandsworth. Are you saying I'm not going to Wandsworth prison? I mean, for loads of reasons, but one of them is I'm not going to go preach, go share the gospel in that prison. Two is the people that might grab me up and blah blah blah. And see, and the thing is, we all know someone in prison, or we know someone who knows someone in prison. We're just a couple of steps away from. You know what I mean? But are we guilty of forgetting those who are incarcerated? I mean, on a level. I mean, this is, this is one of the points that got me. You know what I mean? I know people in prison. And I needed to be reminded. Matthew 25, you know what I'm saying, talks about the Lord saying, on, the, on, you know what I'm saying, on that day when we're going to be judged, when we stand before him, he's like, you know what I'm saying, when he separates the sheep from the goats. There's one group who... You know and I'm saying, he says, when I was in prison, you visited me. And they were like, Lord, when were you in prison? And we never visited you in prison. What are you talking about? And he says, if you did it for the least of these, you did it for me. You know what I mean? Are we reaching out to those in prison? You know and I'm saying, as a church, do we have a healthy relationship? Are we battling, you know what I'm saying, for a healthy relationship with our local prisons? You know what I mean? Number four. Hmm. Relationship between husbands and wives. This one's not going to really take me long. Verse 4. Let marriage be held in honor among all. Now, why would you have to say that? And let the marriage bed be undefiled. You'd be like, they're Christians. Like, we're Christians. Do we need to to hear this? For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Here we see two things tackled, bridging verse 4 and verse 5. One, the temptation to immorality and the temptation to greed and the love of money so temptation first of all <coughs> temptation first of all to there we go to immorality and impurity yolo right love island like love island wow i mean i thought things was bad right with big brother and that but this Love Island thing. And the thing is I've never even watched it. This is me hearing about people talking about Love Island. Now as I mentioned, I was forty nine last week, right? People m- keep mixing up my birthday. I got Texas before my birthday, I got Texas after my birthday. My birthday's on Jamaica Independence Day, if anybody's taking note. The sixth of August, right? Praise the Lord. Harry, big up. Car. You sent me the text on the right day. Big up. When's your birthday? Harriet, when's your birthday? Can you remember everybody's? When's your birthday, hot? February. Second of February. All right then. <laughs> yeah, you look like yeah. What were you You gotta forget that in five minutes. Second of February. All right. Like I said, I've been uh, like, I'm gonna be fifty next year. Check this. While I'm away with my mum, you know, I, I, maybe it was because I was with my, I got propositioned twice. This, never, this ain't never happened to me. I don't, maybe people saw me with my mum and they thought it was sweet. You know what I mean? Because we was in a for A few of the days we were away, we were in a resort. I'm like, I could be in a place where I've been married for 25 years. You know, you can get complacent. I'll tell you, man, I got scared. I got so scared this like two weeks ago. And the reason I got scared is because I saw that in me, you know what I'm saying, was a weakness that I don't think I knew was there before. Well, tell a lie. I knew it was there before, but it was scarily exposed in those, on those two occasions. You know what I'm saying? Like, you gotta be careful when you go on holiday, you know? Because apparently, like, people are literally throwing themselves at people. You know what I mean? And, why? <laughs> I'm, and I'm just saying, don't, get, don't ever feel like your, your relationship or your marriage, especially you those of you who've been married just a few years, don't think that your marriage is bulletproof. You know what I mean? Because the devil was set for you nicely. You know what I mean? And um, if I forever for a minute forget that I'm in a battle that seeks to destroy my relationship with my wife, I'm, I'm I'm foolish. You know what I mean. Now that it, there, it was very blatant. You know what I mean. Oh my gosh, the, the, Lucifer himself could appear to me with horns and. A t- t- <laughs> you know what I mean. Oh my gosh, it was like raw. But uh, uh, but the thing is, it, sometimes the temptation don't come that as 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 blatantly as that. The temptation often comes much more subtly. You know what I mean. But sometimes the blatant ones can be the worst ones. The subtle ones, I mean, they're all dangerous is what I'm saying, you know what I mean? And, and not, and it's, and it's funny because it was, it was at this age, at my age, like, note this, you know what I mean, um, approximately 50 years old when David committed adultery, you know what I mean? Looking at pornographic material I mean, that's what he was doing, wasn't he? it? Was just, it, was, it was live. <laughs> now, now, how many of you know that as a married person, you are in a battle? You know what I mean? And may God help you. May God help me. May God help us. Temptation is real. And not just the temptation to, to lust sexually, but also the temptation to lust materially. And the second thing is temptation to greed and the love of money in verse five, or over indulgence. Verse five says, "Keep your life free from love of money, and be content with what you have." So, no, so do you have a healthy or unhealthy relationship with money? I mean, Jason smashed it last week, right? I was. We're talking about the battle for healthy relationships. How we relate to money is a serious issue, one that can challenge your relationship with God. And you know what I mean? Because Jesus could be like, relationship with money. Jesus said, you will either love one, that is God, or the other that is money. You know what I'm saying? The Bible refers to our dealings with money as a relationship. <laughs> wow, real talk. On a number of levels, would you agree that Christian life is a battle, and this brings us nicely to our fifth point. Relationship with God. Now we talked about relationship between different people, brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, we talked about relationship with strangers, those outside as well as those inside, those particularly in prison. Spouses, just mentioned that there. Now, and our relationship with money, just mention that. Now, look at the second part of verse five. Who is it now speaking about? Relationship with God second part of verse 5 for he has said who has said God has said I will never leave you nor forsake you now where in the Bible have you heard that before Joshua chapter 1 Joshua chapter 1 notice Joshua is about to go into the promised land and what does he have in front of him shh He's got a battle in front of him, doesn't he? And on the brink of this battle and taking the promised land, can you see how this begins to talk about the battle regarding your relationship with God? Because he's confronted with a battle and the 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 Lord says, I'll never leave you, I'm with you in the battle. Verse 6 says, so we can confidently say on that basis, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear, what can man do to me? Now where have you heard that quoted before? This one's a bit harder than the Joshua one. Who said this? It was David, and it's a quote from Psalm 118, and it was during a time of battle. You can see, he says, I call on the Lord in distress in verse 5, Right? And the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? See the quote? And you go down a little further. Verse 8. It's better to trust in the Lord than put confidence in man. It's better to trust in the Lord. Verse 9. Confident in princes. All nations surrounded me. But in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. They surrounded me. Yes, they surrounded me. But in the name of the Lord. Can you see that he's in a battle? And trust me. One of the biggest battles you're going to fight. Is to maintain your relationship with God, because at a t- at a time, at a time like this in your life, the temptation is going to be to trust in other things. Relationship with God. <clears throat> Actually, before I put that slide up, let me just say this: um, the sixth thing is relationship with your leaders and I'm just going to really read the verse and move on because I feel like Jason done a good job at least at beginning to help us to think about this last week. Relationship with your leaders. Verse 7 says, again, why would he have to say this? He says, remember, because remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Now, why does he tell them to remember? Because they're prone to forgetting. <clears throat> And again, I'm not going to spend any time on on that. Um, But there's a battle there, trust me. I'm coming to number seven, as I mentioned. Relationship with God, part two. The seventh relationship, specifically with the Lord Jesus. Look at the last verse, verse eight. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. How many of you know we change? We go up and we go down. We blow hot and we blow cold. Today, yeah, let me take that. And tomorrow, I don't want that. I'll have that. One minute I was Brexit, you know. Next minute I was Bramain. Two days in the end, I never even voted. (laughs) You know what I mean? Change like the weather, but Jesus remains the same. You know what I'm saying? It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's so much that I can say about this, but I'm going to finish on this point. We've been talking about the battle for healthy relationships, right? And hopefully I've convinced you, at least to some degree, that there is a battle with reference to these things. And And we concluded on the most important, that is a relationship with God, part one and part two, right? Upon which, really, the others are all based. They all find their basis on um, with regards to our our relationship with God. No, they're never going to love your brothers and sisters. you are never going to love those outside. you are never going to love your husband or your wife. And I'm saying apart from God pouring out his love in your heart by his spirit. And the fact that you or I have the opportunity, and notice this, the fact that you or I have the opportunity to have a relationship with God has come about by virtue of a battle. We're talking about we're going to have to battle, battle, battle to keep these relationships healthy. Yo, in order for us to have even had a relationship with God, came about because of a battle. Hebrews 12 says, look into Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. You hear the battle? (laughs) We have no idea what Jesus battled. Despising the shame. That meant there was temptation for him to be embarrassed hanging there on the cross naked. But like, I would be, I mean, you're, you're on the cross, so you can't even cross your legs, right? But I'd be worried, like people are looking at me. Right. That, that shame that we would experience, well, it tried to come upon him, and he despised it. He actually hung there, not feeling like, oh, well, everyone's looking at me. Although the temptation was there, he didn't succumb to that. He hung there, if you like, you know what I'm saying? Gladly enduring the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus, you know, nobody else could have done that. Verse 3 On that basis, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, not for himself, you know, but for us, for others, so that you may not grow weary or faint hearted. Can you hear how the gospel says to us? With reference to our relationships, we have no excuse for not loving our brother and our sister, for not loving those outside. For ever coming to a point where we cease to love our spouse or our husband or our wife or, you know what I'm saying, or our, those who are friends of ours who we've fallen out with. We've got no excuse. You know, and not because you need to do better. Do, you know what I'm saying, pull your socks up, you know what I'm saying, or pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. You and me ain't got the power to do these things on a real level We can do it superficially. But on a real level, the only reason we can do it is because we look to Jesus. It's looking to Jesus who is our example of all of these things. And he helps us in the battle. Because I'm in the battle and I'm like, Lord, I don't like this battle. And I don't want this relationship. I don't want to have to fight. I don't, I I, died because it's all about me, right? And I said, but then I look to Jesus as my example the one who did it, not because he had to, but because he chose to. And, I'm, and, and, and that empowers me now because I feel disgusted with myself. And I say, oh, you know, wretched man that I am. You know what I'm saying? Romans 7. Who will deliver me from the body of this flesh? I'm such a sinner. And he says, but, you know, but thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the next verse says. Thanks be to God. And we're empowered through our our union with Jesus. Do you know what I'm saying? and, And the thing is, he don't change. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we have that constant encouragement from him. Do you know what I'm saying? Not to grow weary. So the battle for healthy relationships.